Hello, and welcome back to Cartel Aristocrats, cast number 122 and a half. We did try to record last week, but Ed was just a little jet-lagged and couldn't make it on, so we figured we'd actually get back to our normal recording schedule, and if you're watching this live, we're actually recording a little earlier than we normally would. I'm joined, of course, with my two co-hosts, Jim Caselli of GatheringMagic.com and Edward Wynn of UnnamedVendor.com. How are you guys doing this week? Has it been so long that you forgot that Gathering Magic is now where they have articles anymore? Ah, uh, yes. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. If only I remembered that our sponsors, CoolStuffInc.com, is where you could find all of Jim's articles. And speaking of CoolStuffInc.com, we'd like to thank them for partnering with this cast. With free shipping on orders of $100 or more and a sweet 25% BIOS bonus, CoolStuffInc.com is a store for all of your Magic the Gathering needs. And uh, good morning, Ed. How you feeling? Great. The answer is great. He is a man of few words. Well, we had a lot of stuff go on this week. Um, we got Ultimate Masters spoiled completely last week. And I feel like a lot of podcasts have already talked about the entire spoilers for Ultimate Masters. So if there's any things that you guys want to touch on quickly whether it's a, a rarity downshift or a last-minute card that you didn't think was going to get in or a deserted uh, temple getting reprinted, Jim, uh, what what came to your mind? Uh, sounds great. That's all I have to say about it. Like, it didn't disappoint. It didn't have. It doesn't have like a particularly large number of like unplayable bulk rares. Like, it has some cards that are not very expensive, but like there are places to play them. Like, there are no ant queens in the set. That I can remember, or very not very many, anyway. So overall, I think it was one of the better ones. Like it has good value at common and uncommon, so I can't complain. Ed, um, it's been a while since I've actually looked at this set. Um, I think the biggest thing is that this probably drives the nail in the coffin for a decent amount of cards that were expensive, solely based on scarcity alone. Like your like two biggest losers in the set are, or your biggest losers in this set are like Gorio's Vengeance through the Reach, right? Champions is what like eighteen years old at this point. No, not quite that old. Sixteen years old, right? Like there just aren't a lot of copies out there. Granted, they don't see a ton of play in modern, um, but like just the level of demand uh, was probably on par with what the supply was, and now that the supply is going to skyrocket, I imagine that this card just is going to get... Like, those cards are just get cheaper and cheaper. Um, it does make it a lot better for people who want to, like, kind of maybe try decks that they have, um, like, Through the Breach Scapeshift decks, or maybe, like, the Black Red Gorio's Vengeance deck. Like, like maybe we kind of start seeing them come back in modern because they're accessible to people, as opposed to people who would want to play the deck, but they just didn't want to spend, like, you know, like, 60% of the deck's value on eight cards. Um, Dark Depths is kind of in that category. Um, it's, like, it, it, again, it was just, like, Cold Snap was just, like, probably one of, like, the, like, smallest printed sets in, that exists in modern history. Just, like, not wildly popular um, at the time, right? It's more than... I think it was like 2005, so it puts it like 13 years. There just weren't a lot of copies out there. Granted, like the um, Dark Depths being printed in from uh, lore brought the price down a bit, but it was still fairly spendy. Um, but now the cars just there's just gonna be so many out there. Like the price probably is just not gonna recover. Um, that being said, it perhaps gives it some equity in the future. Like maybe like. In a, in a month or two when the card like bottoms out that it gives people a chance to spec on it in the unlikely event that it ever does get banned in modern i don't think it will to be honest but it is out there because wizards no longer has to consider that if we unban dark depths prior to the printing of uma dark depths is going to become like a 200 dollars card just because of how few exist and because you basically need four copies to play that um in any deck that wants to support it um, now, because that fear is alleviated, it gives them a lot more wiggle room. Um, that being said, uh, I think the most relevant finance-related information concerning the set is the notable exclusions. Um, we've already seen Metamorphos take a huge spike. It's now like 16 
eighteen dollars. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the buy lists in Japan this past weekend, GP Shizuoka was paying sixteen hundred yen, which is approximately like fourteen point four dollars, um, on their buy list for that card. So there's definitely a lot of demand for it. If you looked at the data from the Star City Open in Baltimore, Arclight Phoenix actually won all three events. I believe it was uh, two modern events, one standard event. Um, so there's definitely like a lot of legs. There's a lot, of, like probably gonna be a lot of demand for like Morphos going forward. Um, so until we see a reprint, like expect that card to stay relatively high. Um, Obviously, people will start like going through and like digging out of their bulk, but it wasn't exactly bulk before the printing or uh, before the like the set dropped and the card spiked. So, um, so it's it, like it's gonna be really hard to get a bunch more copies out there, especially because that card is basically a four of as well. Um, I'm trying to think of what else spiked in this set. Someone because exactly been on my mind lately. Um, but I think like those were like probably the most relevant thoughts for me from the set. I have a lot of uh, thoughts on Ultimate Masters where they say it's going to be the last Masters set. If you are convinced that Magic is in a good place right now and you think that prices will rebound, not necessarily to the extremes that we saw this year uh, with tax return season, but if you're confident in the future of the Magic market, this is probably going to be the best time ever besides the initial release to pick up staples like Snapcaster Mage and Noble Hierarch. Uh, and just like grab a playset when it goes near bottom and then just wait like 18 months, have those cards and then sell them after playing with them for a profit. Because there's only so many dollars that are going to go into this product and eventually more and more players are going to want to pick up these cards in four ofs or for cube play or whatever they're going to play them in. And this could be like your one last true chance to get cards uh at cheaper prices than normal if they're truly confident about not doing another master set and they don't try and reprint these cards in standard or another supplemental set. Um, it feels like if you were to pick, like if you ever needed to finish your sets, now would be the time. So I just want to clarify something. They never said, they didn't, they didn't say they're never going to do another master set. It's, this is, I believe the quote was, this is the last master set for a while. Yes. Like the door is not completely shut on the master sets in the future, but I think this is the last master set that they're making for the for you know maybe the, the, what it seems to me is like they'll probably take a year off. Like yeah. I think there'll be another one, not next year, but the year after. So twenty twenty twenty. Yeah. I I just think that if uh, if you were waiting and like for Cavern of Souls or anything this is going to be your last chance. And like, you can't complain if you don't buy these cards in January or February before prices start going back up, especially with Ed's theory about how many modern events there's going to be next year. Um, it, it just feels like for people that are both players or collectors, or they want to make the game cheaper, Wizards is laying it all out on the table and saying like, here's your $30 Noble Hierarch. Like, this is what, this is your chance. And then like, if Noble Hierarch goes to 40 by uh, June, like there's no reason for players to be complaining that they're paying forty dollars now instead of thirty or whatever. Ed, what are your thoughts? Uh, I don't disagree with that. I'm like a little weary of like just like I don't think this is like kind of the, like the end all be all for reprints. Um, I think they kind of showed like Battle Bond is a very reasonable like avenue for reprints. Um, mainly because that kind of creates like it's like a reasonable way to. Uh, and the generate like a lot of cards are pushed in legacy. Uh, between like Brightling, Arcane Artisan, uh, True Name Nemesis being reprinted. These were all cards that, like, were reasonable reprints. But you also had like a fair amount of EDH staples. You had like land tax doubling season that made it particularly attractive for a pretty wide range of people. Like the uh, dualish lands. I can't think of what their the cycle name was. Um, the Battle Bond lands. Sure. Right, like those, like those were there, um, but you also uh, had like, like in theory, um, it like it wouldn't surprise me if Wizards made one of those like, like designed a set for like that was built all around modern that would allow them to um, reprint cards as well. So think of like a modern legal battle bond only type set, um, 
that gives them some design space to create like uh like new cards while simultaneously reprinting cards like uh, like it says esque which was fairly expensive before Battleborn existed but the price brought down a fair amount and like realistically that could be a reasonable place to print certain modern staples that aren't necessarily like super plain specific um I don't know. I'm just kind of speculating. I think that like that that might be the type of thing we see of more of in the future. But I think that gives wizards a little bit more room to play with, um, without having to necessarily deal with like these like reprint only type sets. Um, mainly because I think their design of it, they've kind of burned a lot of bridges doing it the way they have. Uh, we talked about this in the past when it was great when you went from thirteen to fifteen and then fifteen to seventeen. But when you started doing like multiple sets in 17 followed by set 18 um followed by this you've kind of erased any like future avenues like to be able to continue to do this um how like is it good that it's like sub 100 dollars? sure right like we're looking at like sub 50 dollar tarmogoyfs that's great but now opening a tarmogoyf doesn't have the same feeling as it does in 2015 and that's like I, I think that Wizards has realized that they, because they aren't capturing that same feeling, that they probably do need to cut it back or look at some sort of different avenue, be it like Battle Bond or like being more aggressive on Commander or something. Um, and I think that's where they're at. Like what? Like we don't know what it looks like. I believe we are a few months away from like an announcement day type thing. I. I think it happens like twice a year. I want to say the last one happened in like September. So we're probably looking at until March because we know like Ravnica Allegiance will come out at the end of January. And usually beginning of the year, we don't really see a lot of those like supplemental type products. So March is probably the announcement for anything that will happen in quarters like two, three, and four of next year. Um, and something different drop in the summer. Jim? Uh, I mean, I think Ed covered everything pretty well. I don't really have very much to add to that. Yeah, I think it was just a good idea to touch on Ultimate Masters because uh, obviously after taking a week off, it's a little hard to not say anything that people haven't already said. Um, another thing I'm looking at is all the the high-end cards are on the market right now, and you're starting to see more buyers than you saw like last month, it feels like, excluding Black Friday. Um, this could potentially be, I don't know if Ed's noticed dual price is going up, but this is basically once again, Hey, get your stuff before it goes up as like a warning. Ed always has, uh, called the market pretty well. And I think that if you're looking to finish off reserveless cards that have specific, like a lot of them have fallen back down from their highs by like 30 to 40%. And if you're looking to pick up a reserveless card to play with, or speculate on, it's probably getting to be a better time now than it will be in a couple months. Um, we It's really hard to call when the floor will be on some of these cards, but if you get in around the floor for the, the uh, winter doldrums, you should be able to make a fine return and or make magic a little cheaper to play with. Um, I don't know what the cash situation has looked like at GPs because I haven't been going to that many lately. Uh, but it seems like a lot of vendors are offering significant amounts of inventory for a discount right now. And if you have uh, money on like the the buy sell trade groups, snagging some of those cards that everyone is listing is not necessarily the worst idea right now. So a lot of people are just trying to get their capital back before the end of the year. And it's a good time to just, you know, if you need that one $20 reserveless card or whatever, it's not a bad time to wiggle your toes in the pool. Ed? I also, Did you I also make that EDM up? I mean, yeah, I forgot what the actual... Just my Missouri education right there. Is it like take a dip? Dip your toes in the pool? Yeah, or, well, you yeah. don't have to say like the pool specifically, but I was like, what are you talking about? That sounds <laughs> like... like I don't, I don't know off the top of my head what the idiom is, but it's like definitely not what you just said. <laughs> Ed. Uh, I, I think Jeremy pretty much like hit on the head. Um, like, like there's no sense in trying to cause panic right now, but like clearly, um, like prices have definitely been down. If you look at most markets across the board, you talk to vendors, you talk to 
people in general. Um, <clears throat> it always happens like in October, November, right? Like sales, like generally slow, like Big Friday, notwithstanding. Um, it's a pretty rough month for retail. Just have the type of people that need like money for the holidays. Like they're just trying to sell as much as possible. Um, most people want to end the fiscal year in a strong manner. So like, like you, there's a lot of motivation to like push sales. Um, if you follow Facebook groups, you can see this. If you go to GPs, you can see like prices are down. People are much more aggressive about selling. Um, anyone who is venturing out into like, you know, like obviously Japan, this was this past weekend. Um, but like you're going out to Portland or like Liverpool this coming weekend. Um, like you, you, I imagine you'll probably see it reflected in the prices. It's not unreasonable that if you walk in with cash and you make like a reasonable offer to vendors on things that they'll probably be willing, like they probably would be willing to like, to take any sort of reasonable cash offer. Um, most vendors are very, very, very flush with cards right now. Um, selling has just been especially slow after kind of the initial, uh, like uh, Black Friday tissue player event sales have pretty much just completely like fallen out. One, I'm sure that's because most vendors have probably sold out of their like more in demand cards. But two, like a lot of people who have um, who have capital that they're willing to burn on cards, um, they're probably mostly tapped out. It, it, I think it would be like really silly if people didn't capitalize on an eBay coupon or like the teach you player 15% kickback um, to pick up like their case of UMA or, you know, a place that Arclight Phoenix is, for example. Um, and people who did, right, they're probably not spending very much money on magic, if any at all, up until um, Ultimate Masters drops, right? There's no reason to be buying um, like Noble Hierarchs, uh, Gorio's Vengeances through the breaches right now. So if you look like at the price on them, most of them are fairly slashed, uh, um, which is fifty percent off from its from like where they've basically been stable most of the year. And even at fifty percent off, you probably don't have many people biting at this point. Um, and like you you add like with like uh, Guilds of Ravnica, like the Mythic Edition on top, you have like a lot of things that are causing people to just like hold um, hold their money. So, and it's definitely reflected on like online sales, like talk with a lot of vendors. Um, so like Jeremy said, like you're looking to buy, like this probably isn't like the worst place to do it. Like if you're like an eBay shopper, just like make a stab, takes like, like a reasonable offer to the vendor. Um, if you do some research and like it's a vendor that has their, um, their store name in their, um, in their eBay account, you can figure out which it is. I like I've had a reasonable amount of luck uh, trying to find that vendor on Facebook or calling them and dollars. Um, how about we cut we cut out the middleman through eBay and like I'll like I'll offer you like ninety dollars or like eighty five dollars or something. You save more in fees and then I get the card a better deal. Um, and that definitely works for a lot of vendors if you're willing to do a little research. Like it like both parties win. Um, and it's one of those things that you can kind of do to um, to get what you need at a reasonable price point, mainly because like it's definitely it's definitely buyer's market right now. So um, that's where I'm at. That's what I would recommend. I think there's like it's the beginning of December. I think we have like one or two more weeks of this before we see prices kind of like stabilize and then start to rebound come like January 1st. And the reason why we will see prices stabilize is because players are going to open up these new cards and then they're going to want to finish their decks. And so there will be additional pressure placed on the cards that didn't get reprinted. And it will be a good time to have those specific cards in your hands besides stuff like Manamorphose and Thing in the Ice uh, and maybe make a little bit of money or uh, make completing your deck a little cheaper. Um, it was interesting, and I know Ed saw a lot of this, uh, to see big name vendors offering significant amount of inventory at like 30 to 35% off of TCG if you took it all. And I know even at Eternal Weekend, there was like a $300,000 buy of stuff that was uh, had their prices not at market. And I think the people that bought that are just like sitting on it for the next couple of months and waiting to see a good return. Um, obviously, no one 
has that type of money normally to uh, throw to single collection as like an investment opportunity. But if there's other vendors that are willing to literally buy out like an entire case from another vendor and they're confident sitting on it, you should uh, be able to extrapolate that if you're doing that with like one or two cards that you needed or that you're speculating on, that it's a good time to do that if other vendors are also doing the same thing on just a larger scale. And I think Ed's right. The amount of vendors going to Portland this weekend, it's a ton of vendors. It's a lot, or yeah, it's a ton of vendors. It's a lot more than almost any other Grand Prix besides like Vegas. And it's a lot of A-list vendors that all are going to be trying to compete against each other. Um, So you should be able to uh, haggle very well on Sunday when everyone just wants to like end the weekend on a good note if you have cash in hand. And if you uh, aren't going to Portland, which is like 99% of the listeners on this cast, uh, you can message them and just be like, hey, I know you're going to Portland. Will you sell me this card before you go? Or will you sell me this card if you pick it up? And they're probably going to take the cash because GPs are not cheap. And if they have a bad weekend, that gives them even more of an incentive to sell cards to you at a, to get that money back. Because I, I think like two or three vendors out of the 12 going are going to have a good show in Portland and the rest are just going to need to recoup their costs pretty fast. Though obviously Ed is uh, a little better at this than I am. I yeah I think that's like a very very fair analysis. So um, it like Portland has always been a very very good show. There's a lot of people. Uh, the Pacific Northwest doesn't get a ton of like traffic. Like the last show out there was um, uh, Seattle. That was back in April. Uh, we have Vancouver at the end of the month, but beyond that, like for the like people who live in the Northwest, like their ability to travel in like any sort of like without flying you're pretty much limited to like portland seattle vancouver um and like uh like i think people who do want to capitalize like i think there's definitely opportunities there but jim do you want to get into our uh credit winners of the week since we have two yeah uh apparently we've been slacking on telling you guys where to leave a question so Half of the people that left questions last week are going to be winners because we only had four. Uh, so these are pretty basic questions, but they're you know things that a lot of players think about. So I decided that we should probably answer them. Uh, this first one's from Alex Ortlieb. Uh, he says, "What are your guys' thoughts about collector's edition and international edition? Obviously, they're worth money, but they're only playable on old school and whatever EDH groups allow them." Uh, are they worth buying or trading for? Um, I don't have a lot of experience with these personally. I own um, a tropical island because it was cheaper than buying a real one at the time. Now I probably just sell it, but I've just been lazy to get rid of it. Um, I don't know. Like I think it's not unreasonable in the future. In, you know, like eventually, that Wizards of the Coast could put out something similar to another collector's edition, something gold bordered probably that has like power and whatnot on it just like they'll basically be like high grade proxies but i don't know if and when that'll happen but i think there's a non-zero chance that it does happen that being said like i don't know the um i don't know okay ed says the gold border violates the reserve list i mean that might be true i don't know uh i i don't really have any interest in holding on to them i feel like the people that want them are few and far between, and I'd rather have cards that I know I can trade or sell to people with some amount of consistency, even if it's like, you know, these cards might be eventually worth a little bit less than they are at their peak. Um, I think that the liquidity of cards like fetch lands and shock lands is just like, basically just like lands in general is just that is worth more to me than, than collectors issues stuff. Like I don't really understand who it's for and I don't understand why they're so expensive other than the fact that they're so rare and because the rarity of the item makes it expensive i don't think it's a card of card that i want to deal with i have a lot of experience with the collector's edition and international edition because i mean we've talked about the rise of old school etc there's only twenty thousand sets that were ever made ten thousand ie ten thousand ce unless i'm wrong there ed I'm pretty sure you're right. Yeah, it's 10,000 of each. 
and you're seeing sealed CEIE go for like 10,000 each. Uh, I think buy list on those sets is like 8,000 now if it's sealed. Um, a lot of players who missed the initial old school rush, rush that saw their friends play it at Vegas or some of the meetups in Chicago and Ohio that are getting really popular with a lot of Midwest players. Um, they've been turning to both Renaissance and CEIE. I think we're going to see a surge in Renaissance prices next year because everything but revised in Renaissance, uh, which for those who don't know, it's like the foreign version of Chronicles, um, which some old school groups allow. That's the only uh, set that hasn't popped yet that's still legal in some old school stuff. Um, I like CE and IE. I understand that like it violates the reserve list, like Ed said, and it's not really legal in a lot of tournaments, but even Channel Fireball gave up. Um, so did Eternal Weekend, now that I think about it. They had a non-sanctioned, quote-unquote, sanctioned old-school event with uh, CEIE allowed. And it doesn't take that many players, just like Alpha or Beta or anything else, it doesn't take that many players that want these cards for them to... Um, go up in value. I mean, you're seeing insane price returns on stuff like lightning bolt, counterspell, etc. Now, if you're debating like buying commons that are CEIE and you're not putting them in a deck, I probably wouldn't get them unless they're like playable. Um, but I think it's a safe place to park your money for like five years. Moxon were like 70 to $90. And now they've just gone ballistic. I don't know if we'll get like $2,500 IE black Lotus next year, but if you're if you want to play old school or if you like like the look of the cards versus unlimited or revised which a lot of players are willing to pay that premium for then it's not a bad hold right now because bios are so aggro right now so if you're building old school or you want something to have black border and you don't like you're buying the card to play with but you're also realizing that bios are strong on it if you decide to move it that's a good play but if you're buying like ce and ie grizzly bears or something to try and speculate on it's just not a good idea to do with your money um that being said some of the old school tournaments i've looked at for next year are allowing any printing that has original art um which includes stuff like renaissance and ceie and as long as more of these uh homegrown tournaments they get 50 to 100 players keep allowing it the only place you're going to see these cards go is up so that's my thoughts on it but when you're when you're seeing like a hundred and something people show up in Chicago to play old school or like 50 in San Francisco uh, that like you see over Twitter all the time. It's only going to create an upwards uh, pricing. So I like just to sum it up since I've just been rambling. So sorry guys. IECE is good if you're going to play with the card or if you want to buy something that has a strong buy list. But if you're looking to make money next year, I would focus on Renaissance more than I would focus on CEIE or revised. Ed? I think uh, one of the biggest problems with CEIE is that because for like the longest time it had like a very kind of uh, like a negative like stigma with it where people are like these cards aren't real. Uh, uh, like the, which was the primary reason why like these cards were so little for the longest time. Um, there's like still kind of that stigma. You still have a lot of people realize that technically this card isn't real um right like if you're good, if for people who want to be pedantic about it like they're not wrong here um that stigma still kind of exists there's still a lot of people who would rather just not touch it entirely and just say if i'm going to spend this kind of money i would rather just have the real thing instead be it like a mox like power a duel or something that being said like you know, as Jeremy touched on, there's a lot of demand out there. There's a lot of people who do want to play old school. And if you really break it down, like these look pretty nice, right? Like it's going to be the, certainly the cheapest uh, black border variant of most of these you can get. Um, <clears throat> they're like roughly on par with FBB, uh, like the dual lands. Uh, C um FBB is a little bit harder to find. There's probably more C out there that's available, mainly because vendors have kind of picked up bits and pieces of them. Uh, I think the hardest ones to move are the sealed sets, mainly because I most people who have that kind of money to drop like $10,000 on a sealed set, most people will probably rather just own the real thing, or if they already own the real thing, they'd be looking for upgrades rather than side grades, as it were. 
Um, that being said, I think they look cool. Uh, it's a little hard to sell them if you aren't finding near mint ones. Uh, because the corners are square cut, they do get dinged up fairly easily. And you kind of want to be avoiding like clip corners, which are fairly common to find, or ones that just kind of have damaged them because of they weren't double sleeved or whatever. But for the most part, Card Kingdom does have a very reasonable buy list on on uh, if you know that if you just want like something that looks nice in your cube edh deck old school it's not a bad buy <clears throat> your returns might not necessarily be like ridiculous like obviously jeremy and i are kind of like speculating like we do have kind of these small like old school kind of like blast pop up like eternal weekend little pockets where people have kind of fostered an old-school community, and it be does become more popular. So there's definitely a market up there. You can definitely, like, make money on them if you kind of... if you buy them at reasonable prices from players and then flip them. But that being said, I wouldn't go out of my way to do it personally. I think it's I think it's still a little bit too much of a... a little bit too narrow. I kind of put it on par with, like... Um, like, misprints and oddities type thing. If that's like kind of what you want to specialize in, like that, you know, that's a perfectly reasonable place to be. But that's my money. Okay. Well, uh, Alex, uh, send me a message on, uh, sorry, send me an email at cartelaristocrats at gmail.com and I will get you your $25 gift certificate to coolstuffinc.com. Uh, our next question comes from Ryan Edwards, who says, uh, with UMA falling in December, do you expect singles and box toppers prices to find their minimum around Christmas Eve or sometime later? As I understand, it usually takes a few months to reach peak supply, but that might the holiday season might impact that. Uh, at, at least in my experience, if you're looking to play with stuff right away, um, the day of release or the release weekend is the best time to look for certain cards that people like had been expecting a reprint on, um, especially because cards prices go down kind of just not even necessarily by like the demand, but like when, when the opinion of people is that the card price is going to go down because it got reprinted, that tends to impact the price of the actual card reprint card more than the amount of supply that's being introduced into the market. So honestly, I would be on the lookout on TCG Player like the weekend of release. So it's actually this Friday, the 7th, uh, the 7th, the 8th, and the 9th. Take a look at TCG Player and see where the prices end up because also a lot of people will be opening up their steel product and immediately trying to sell stuff that they don't want. And that tends to lead prices, you know, running to the, you know, uh, competing towards the bottom. So my suggestion to you is either look at this weekend and try to see whatever cards you want to buy are cheaper. But if you're looking for stuff like staples, like Snapcaster Mage or Tarmogoyf or Liliana or whatever, like I wouldn't expect them to fall much lower than what they are right now. Um, even if they do fall like a little bit lower towards Christmas Eve, like the reality of the situation is they're so in demand that they're going to soak up pretty much all of the cost of the set. And unless you're looking for like really weird, obscure things that are not quite as popular, like Gamble or Phyrexian Towers, like weird EDH cards, then I don't think there's really a lot of reason to wait. Um, so to summarize, if you want staples, just get them this weekend. If you don't want staples, or sorry, competitive staples, I guess I should say. If you want, if you want other cards, you could probably wait a little bit. Um, but I would still probably just keep an eye out this weekend, like. I'm probably going to buy some stuff uh, after I open up my box and see what, I actually, what it actually contains, but um, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to, to gauge right now what's going to happen. There are so many people who are going to lose money opening boxes this week, and they're going to haphazardly sell what they open. Because through the breach is not through the breach is going to be like ten to fifteen dollars, et cetera. We've been over like where we think prices are going to go. But you have all these people that like saved up. They they bought supplemental products in the past, whatever. 
and this is the big one. This is the one where you can get a, a box topper Tarmogoyf, which up until recently was like selling for $400, which is obscene. Um, so you're going to have a bunch of people who need to make that money back right away because this isn't a really good time of year for people where they like, it's hard to explain that like magic players are really bad at budgeting. So they basically spent their whole budget on like buying a box or whatever on this. And then they're going to, everyone's going to try to make money on this set by reselling. And as we've seen in the past, when that happens, like TCG goes as low as buy list on release weekend, because so many people that have like five feet, uh, five sales on TCG with like 0% feedback or whatever, try to list cards because they're all trying to do the same thing. And the only people that are profiting in this scenario are people who, like Jim said, need to finish their sets and they're literally getting them for like a dollar or two above buy list or the vendors who actually paid costs for this set and can actually make money. And then you just take advantage of the fact that so many people are trying to make their money back and you just buy their cards at buy list and like move on with life. It's the same cycle that seems to perpetuate itself every single time a master set comes out where you have hundreds, maybe thousands of players that don't understand budgeting or don't understand that everyone's trying to do the same thing. And they're undercutting themselves so much that after fees and all that, they're actually like, they would have been better off buy listing or something like that. Um, I think we're going to see higher kit like 25 to 30 on release weekend. And I have a feeling that international buy list will be 25 to 30 on those cards pretty fast. Um, I know there's a lot of vendors that are targeting like specific cards from the set because it it's basically like a giant sign that says, hey, free money. Um, so I would just expect that. Uh, you, you say in your question, Ryan, that like it usually takes a few months to reach peak supply, but for Ultimate Masters, peak supply will be like a week after release. Um, because after that, players either have already blown their budget opening cards or they've bought the cards that they wanted. Um, and then the, the, the hype around the set sort of dies off. So that's what I would recommend. Uh, you don't even have to look on TCG. You can look on like local Facebook groups and you can wait for like someone to spend $280 or whatever on a box, like frantically try to sell their box topper and like the four or five hits out of their box to try and recoup some money and then just like get a good deal there. But this just seems to happen every time an expensive set comes out. What are your thoughts, Ed? I think this particular season is like a little rough. Um, if we kind of look at like data in the past, not like it's not the table basis at the same time last year. Um, it was kind of a last minute, like flash in the pan thing. Sales were insane through the end of November, beginning of December, right? People, there's a lot of hype around how, how scarce this set was, which is the same boat as Ultimate Masters. You had some cool flashy gimmick in the full art lands, how rare the foil basic lands were. Kind of the same thing with Ultimate Masters with the box toppers. Um, right? You had like a lot, there's like a lot, of, there's a lot of similarities to be drawn. And then if you remember, um, basically after Christmas, demand for unseeable basically just fell off a cliff. Part of that was, yes, there was a second run of unstable, but everyone who was looking to kind of get their fill of unstable via drafting or buying enough like product to get their set of lands. Uh, like all that happened almost immediately. Um, you know, people want boxes or be like a fair amount of packs were sold as like, um, like stuffing stalkers, that type of thing. But like come January, like people just were already on to the next thing, which is a, a fairly common trend among magic players because wizards also kind of perpetuates a cycle because they like to develop hype for a lot of product people get excited but if you look at any real set the majority of the sales are basically very 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 front-loaded most of it happens during release weekend or not long afterwards you don't really have a lot of people who come back and say i missed my chance to play on sable I'm going. To, I'm looking to fire drafts a month in. Most people who want to be firing drafts, they want to be doing so in like the first two weeks. Um, now, because we have the holiday season pushing in on that, like for me personally, um, after I get back from Japan, uh, right? Like, I like the last thing I play alters. Um, I want to be spending time with my family, friends, hanging out with people that I haven't seen in a while. Um, I just don't want to be invested in magic at that point, which is probably gonna be in a similar boat for a lot of players they want to get the fill of ultimate masters now 
and then they'll be capped out for the rest of the year. And then once we come like come January, like the beginning of the year, we're basically a week out from uh, Ravnica Allegiance at that point, right? And then Wizards could be like building the hype up on that. And then I think the release is the third week of January. I have to look at the calendar again, right? But at that point, like Ultimate Masters is more or less going to be a distant memory to most people. Um, so like Jeremy said, like a weekend is probably where supply hits its high. Um, like we'll definitely have people who continue to, you know, open up Ultimate Masters over Christmas. We still have GP Vancouver, which is Ultimate Masters sealed. We have GP Prague the second week under Janu January, which is Ultimate Masters sealed. Um, but there prices start to rebound, especially because in that window is also the five-week window for Pro Tour Cleveland. Um, if anyone follows me on Twitter, I've been pushing this pretty aggressively. I do think Cleveland is a very, very good contender uh, for the modern Pro Tour of the year. This is all purely speculative. I don't know. But if you combine that with how many modern, pro uh, modern Magic Fests are in the first quarter, it to me, it only makes sense that it would be the like kind of the prime time to get people excited about modern you can combine that with we have a lot of reprints coming in through ultimate masters there's a lot of magic uh modern magic fests um there is going to be that uh banning unbanning announcement um on january 21st i want to say january so some like end of january it's probably a prime time for them to shake up modern i think um all that together means that you probably want to like you don't be waiting because you the problem with waiting too long is you have so many people who are waiting that once the price starts to go up it starts to go up fairly quickly um and like it's one of those like it's you're basically trying to play chicken against the market right if you're waiting too long like you stand a chance to save save slightly more money but you you run the risk of okay pro tour cleveland is announced okay people start buying all their modern staples all at once and you're just gonna pay way more than if you had just paid 10% above the lowest point, for example. So Christmas might be a little late. Um, I think the one caveat to that is that because there will likely be a Black Friday-esque sale, probably not a 15% kickback, but TCG usually does like a like 8 to 10% around New Year's. Um, if you're wanting to wait, that is probably the time I would pull the trigger if you're not buying you know, one week after release or whatever. That's the only other time I can think where it would be a reasonable opportunity to wait. Jim? Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think we summed that up pretty good. Um, what I will just say that I think maybe was not clear from what we were saying, from what we were talking about, generally speaking, when we say that uh, Christmas is the best time to buy cards, that's for standard legal sets and stuff that's like only ever been printed once, for example. Uh, because the set is being released so close to the holidays, it really won't have the time for that the, the market to like let it settle and go down in price. Whereas like if you were looking for stuff from like Dominaria or Ixalan or Rivals of Ixalan or even like Amonkhet, like just like weird masterpieces and stuff, things that have like only one printing, things that are not a known quantity, like a reprint set, that's the kind of stuff you can buy in uh, December. Like those are the things that you want to be looking for because this is a reprint set. We already know what cards are going to be good. There's no guesswork to figure out what cards you want to keep and what cards you want to get rid of. Like if you don't play a black green deck or you don't play green deck, you only play blue control decks. There's no way you're going to need a Tarmogoyf. So you're just going to sell it that weekend. Um, I mean, within reason, like maybe there's a blue deck that plays a Tarmogoyf in the future. I don't know. Or maybe you play blue and you play Tarmogoyfs because you're, I don't know, a masochist. I, I don't really understand. Or I don't really know. But what I'm saying is, like, Snapcaster Mages are not going to get worse between now and December, right? Or now and the end of the year. They're always going to be the same the same amount of goodness for the most part. So these are the kinds of cards that are not going to see as big of a dip as they would otherwise because they've already dipped in in response to the set coming out, like in this response to this being announced. So if you are trying to buy things like Braska's Contempts or um, I don't know, like Teferi's or something, December's or, or the end of December, I keep forgetting it is December because it's just, it, the month just changed, but like happy towards Hanukkah. Christmas. Yes, happy Hanukkah, uh, Jeremy. 
But what I'm trying to say is like towards the end of this month, uh, you will see prices start to drop on stuff that's even popular and standard, for example. So uh, good question, Ryan. Um, please send me a message on cartel aristocrats at G or sorry, send me an email at cartelaristocrats at gmail.com and I will get you your $25 gift certificate to coolstuffinc.com. Uh, if you'd like to win next week, you can leave a comment on the article that will be going up uh, hopefully tomorrow, Tuesday, December 4th. Um, leave a question on the article on coolstuffinc.com and you can win a $25 gift certificate for the store. Poor Jim. Uh, it's not, I, had a long, I had a long weekend. I'm sorry. I'm a little tongue-tied. I'm not like totally in, in the in the groove right now. It's all right. Uh, anything you guys want to talk about before we get into pick of the week? Uh, no, I think we're good to go there. All right, Ed, did you forget again, just like you forgot to come on the cast last week? I did not forget to come on the cast last week. I was unable to come shopping. on the cast. <laughs> yeah, but I you learned... You can't say at time say this time is good for you and it's not good for you. Mm, all right, I, I apologize to people out there. Yeah, um, I do have a pick of the week. I actually have multiple. Um, uh, just kind of looking back, I think mainly because this all ties in modern right now. Um, just kind of looking back and just thinking like what moves easily uh, for like for like a vendor like people out there who have Tishi account or whatever. Um, Things that move super well are like generally kind of like cheap modern staples. So I want to say like if you think like Path to XL, like, like just take a moment to think about like when the last time these actually got reprints, right? Path to XL last reprint was in Modern Masters 2017. Uh, same with Inquisition of Kozilek. Are they super expensive? No. Um, but like for if you look at uh, MTG Top 8, Path to Exile is the second most played uh, non-land card in Modern behind uh, Lightning Bolt. Um, these are types of things where you're ne not necessarily going to make a killing on buying them, but for people out there who don't already own these, for whatever reason, it's they're not getting easier to find. It's getting harder and harder to stock as a vendor. Um, you only have so many opportunities to buy like loose Path Exiles. Usually you get them when people say, I'm... I want to sell my blue white modern deck and I won't be buying uh, humans, for example. I guess that doesn't really make sense because you'd keep the path exiles. Regardless, um, these jellies, and it just, it's one of those things that will always sell super well. You can pay well on them and you'll always find a customer out there if it's like, if you're one of the people who supports your local player base, like, like Doug, for example. Like, these are types of things that you want to be uh, stocking. Um, I'm not saying go out there and buy like every path of XL like on the internet. That just doesn't make sense. It'll take you a reasonably amount, like a reasonably long amount of time to move all of them. But these are types of things as a player. If you don't already own, start thinking like just make a mental checklist of if you're looking to play modern in the coming year. If it's you're qualified for a pro tour, you have a Magic Fest you want to tend to start making mental checklists. Like okay, I don't have you know my Inquisitions, Path Exiles, Faithless Lootings, um, Dredge Enablers, right? Like Golgari Thug, this is probably your best time to pick up like Golgari Thug if you don't already own one. Um, right now, like I just kind of like am holding mouth cards have bottomed out, Blood Moon is down from its high, uh, but we don't see more Blood Moons going into the market, right? A25, um, for people who don't remember, that was released in March. Um, Right in terms of like the magic, like MTG finance, March was a lifetime ago. Um, right, like that was before we had kind of seen like the whole boom cycle for um reserveless cards in March. You could still buy Tabernacle for $900. Um, right, like people just aren't opening these cards anymore, there aren't more of them. Modern it feels like it's a good place to be now. I do expect again a pretty large boom cycle. It's all speculation, but uh, for the people out there who are trying to, who listen to this cast, who listen to like articles from, who read articles like on MTG Finance, and you're looking to keep the cost of the game down, like this is a bad place to be buying these cards. 
mainly because these commons on, on commons they do get hard to find a lot of the cheaper staples are probably bottoming out like Vengevine, if you're looking to play like the hollow one deck this is probably as cheap as you're going to get um so modern is just kind of where you want to be i don't necessarily have a specific recommendation but there's a lot of these cards that generally do get expensive cons fetches kind of fall in the same boat as well we don't really have an avenue or any sort of point where we can think that hey this is gonna be a reasonable time for wizard to reprint this because it doesn't really make sense for them to put in a standard set so we're looking at it doesn't really it's not really a good fit for a commander release so these types of cards if you don't already have them maybe start looking at picking them up and kind of stay ahead of like january february in the event that these things do pick up and we do kind of see like a boom in modern that will that will have like there's no doubt in my mind that if modern does kind of become we'll see like a lot of these cards like go up like 10 to 20 percent from where they are now so Jim? to clarify what was what exactly was your pick because you went on there for a little bit uh just just kind of generic like modern like lower end modern staples like path to exile inquisitions lightning bolts uh okay. fetch lands yeah like blood moons etc yeah lo lower end things like you know fetch lands you know the 20 to 50 dollar cards just low end things right things that, I mean, things like that 12 bucks <laughs> i know but he's just like he named like an eight dollar card a five dollar card and then went from like that to like low end the low end stuff you know like fetch lands like scalding turn that's yeah just and like i'm the only one who's allowed to call one percent picks on this cast come on i'm I not saying it's one percent picks i'm just like you can't say no. low end cards and then say fetch lands sorry not not specifically not specifically the zenicar fetch lands but more along lines of uh like like those are like sub twenty dollars of most of them, but we've seen like Bloodstained Iron and Wood Wood Foothills. Those two are basically just impossible to keep in stock. Yeah, um, mountains are too good in modern. Yeah, burn like burn is just a very popular deck. Like these are types of things that like I won't be picking up now. And these are types of things that kind of like elude uh, the reprint policy pretty well. Like it's no secret that like Through the Breach has been reprinted for a while. Or has needed a reprint for a while, but like when when necessarily was last time that people say reprint Path Exile because there's a lot out there. When realistically, it's kind of harder for a lot of stores to stock because of how popular it sells. It's almost like I gave reasoning why the I like the Kanza uh, Tarkir Fetchlands for like half an hour or two weeks ago, or something. Yeah, maybe something like that. Jim. Uh, so my pick this week is uh, World Spine Worm. Uh, if anyone's been looking at the spoilers, they basically reprinted almost the entire deck um, for the Gristle, the Grishol brand deck, the Nourishing Shoal, Gristle brand through the Breach, Scorio's Vengeance deck. Um, for a really long time, there's a pretty big barrier to entry to play that deck if you just like wanted to play it for fun because Nourishing Shoals and uh, through the Breach and uh, Gorgeous Ventures are all pretty expensive. It was pretty, and they're pretty, pretty inflexible cards. Like you just can't play them in a lot of other, um, a lot of other archetypes. So, I think that anyone that was on the fence about it now, like you could pick up was what was basically like six hundred dollars worth of cards for like two hundred dollars, and I think that that's like going to be a pretty big driving factor in people trying to buy the rest of the deck. Uh, most of it's pretty inexpensive. It's like Night's Whisper and um faithless looting and stuff like that but the important cards that are not getting reprinted and probably won't get re re reprinted soon include world, world spine worm which i think is a card that is probably the least likely card, remaining card to get reprinted it's like five dollars now it could easily be like 15 or 20 if it has a really good gp showing or magic fest showing i don't know i still guess that it would be a gp showing because the tournament is called a grand prix still um the only other creature in the deck is Borgmos Enraged, but I have a feeling that that card is likely to be a card that will be reprinted in the um, Gruul Guild Kit, so I would not go out to buy them, even though they are quite cheap right now. Uh, you can find copies for, like, about a dollar, but I wouldn't I wouldn't get so caught up in buying those. I think that World Spine Worm, because it's a mythic from an older, or I guess it's slightly older. It's Six years ago. Yeah, yeah, but like, like if you had the choice between getting World Spine Worm and Borborygmos, like 
they're only printed three months apart, right? Because Borborygmos is from Geek Crash, I believe. Yeah, the Borborygmos is the newest yeah. Borborygmos. So it's the one from Geek Crash. World's Primarm is from Return to Ravnica, but it's already like six, five, six dollars, whereas Borborygmos is only a dollar. I think that there is a there will be more demand for the worm because I think you do. Pay, I think you play more copies of it. But I think that Borbergmos is also due for a reprint in the guild kit, so I wouldn't I wouldn't get that one. I got a pretty easy pick this week. Um, so there's a black mythic from Amonkhet block that has never been below like four dollars retail. And it's very casual friendly, if anyone can guess it. Razaketh the foul blooded. Yeah. So this card hit an all-time high of seven dollars. And we're starting to see it recede in price with most other magic card prices through the winter. Uh, you can currently get copies for a little over $5. There's multiple vendor buy lists that are at $450 to $5 on this card. As of recording right now, the spread is currently 12% on this card. Um, this just, to me, shows that it can easily hit $7 again in a couple months. It's very easy to get more cards in the future that impact this card's price. And the fact that vendors are paying so highly on it with the card continuing to go down in price right now uh, shows that it should rebound next year. This is a pretty easy 8 to $10 casual mythic in a year or two if it doesn't get reprinted. And I can't keep them in stock either. Um, but it's just something I noted when we, I was looking at how much we were paying on this card and how much we were selling it for uh, by going online and looking at buy list scrapers and being like, wow, the spread basically just doesn't exist on this card. Um, so I think this is a pretty easy call that it goes up like 20 or 30% next year. Because there's really not that many of those in uh, vendors' hands as much as casual players' hands right now. I agree. Uh, I like to. I don't like to pay 8 mana for a demonic tutor, but if I can pay 8 mana for like 16 demonic tutors, it's a pretty good deal. Any thoughts, Ed? My guess is no. Uh, yes, I agree. All right, ready to wrap this cast up? Can I say no? Okay. Are are you? Are, is that a legitimate question, or are you just like trying to segue Marcel style? I'm always trying to segue Marcel style. Ah, uh, okay. All right. Where can people find you guys? I'm at Edwin13 on Twitter and on a toilet. Uh. More of that in a second. Um, <laughs> I will be in Liverpool this weekend, and then I'll be flying back, and then spending the holidays with friends and family in, in Portland, and then I'll be at GP Vancouver to round out the year. Uh, my apologies for uh, having crappy audio this week. Uh, Literally. I was in the bathroom. Um, so this is a bathroom to my right here. This, this is what a Japanese bathroom looks like in case people have never seen one. It is small. Um, there's there's multiple people staying in the apartment right now. We've had a pretty long week. We had four, a four-day GP in Shizuoka. We drove five hours back Sunday night, got back very late, and then spent most of yesterday trying to reprocess stuff. So it's been a fairly, in addition to people who had to prep. So I'm trying to keep it down. A lot of people are sleeping, so I'm trying to not wake anyone. And because the apartment is very small, we're talking like some 400 square feet. Uh, uh, maybe like 600 square feet. I'm trying to keep it down and not wake anyone this time. So again, I apologize for the audio. If people had a hard time hearing me, I'm also pretty exhausted. Haven't slept well in over a week. So my thoughts are not entirely coherent, and the internet here is not like insane because there's so homemade devices on uh, uh, the router right now. Jim? My name is Jim Kasai. You can find me on Twitter at PHROSD underscore. You can find my articles usually every other week on CoolStuffInc.com. And you can find me on this lovely podcast. I'm Jeremy. You can find me on Twitter at MissouriMTG. I should be at SEGCon Friday and Saturday, I believe. And I may drop by Portland. I haven't figured it out yet. Um, you can find us on Twitter at cartel underscore finance. You can find us on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, 
And our sponsor is CoolStuffInc.com. Shout out to Brainstorm Brewery for giving us a lengthy shout out on their last cast. Uh, that helped boost numbers quite a bit. Uh, if you want to say hi to Ed, I don't know where he will be vacationing in Liverpool, but you should say hi and like his new haircut and all that fun stuff. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. We'll try and get back to you guys back to normal next week on Monday or Tuesday uh, to record a, another cast on time. And then I don't know if we're recording the week of uh, Christmas yet, but that's our current schedule. So thanks for listening guys. Um, shout out to all the European viewers who got to watch this live. Uh, we never normally record this early. So as usual, thanks for listening. And as always, of course, bye bye Peace out.